Who let all y'all in here? Well, if you ever listen to me, then you're not here to listen to me at all. You're here to be with the king and to hear from his word. And so I'm excited to continue our journey in Judges chapter 6 with Gideon. And we're going to continue with his revival. But isn't it true in all the Christian movies out there that every single time somebody has an encounter with the Lord, they have a revival or they get saved, that they have this amazing experience and their lives are changed forever and they never go back and they don't have a struggle. And then there's like a 10-minute montage at the end of the movie of how they doubled in prosperity and health and everything worked out great. Well, today we're going to look at a revival that's going to continue in the life of Gideon that's now going to start spreading to those that are around him. And then we're going to see what that is like in reality. Because last week, we saw that Gideon, he was able to actually speak to the Lord face to face. And when he speaks to the Lord face to face, he has this conversation with him that he doesn't even know he's speaking with him. But afterwards, remember, he realized that that's who he was talking about. It wasn't until after the Lord had left. Well, you would think after speaking to the Lord face to face that that's it. What else do you need? Life is going to be grand after that. You've connected all the dots. You have your mission. Well, just like us, it is just not that simple, is it? Well, let's go into a word of prayer, and then we're going to read verses 25 through 27. Lord, we thank you so much for your grace and for your mercy, for the work that you do in our lives and are continuing to do in our lives. And we pray that we would grow closer and closer to you every day. In Jesus' name. Well, chapter 6, verse 25. Now it came to pass... The same night that the Lord said to him, Take your father's young bull, the second bull of seven years old, and tear down the altar of Baal that your father has, and cut down the wooden image that is beside it, and build an altar to the Lord your God on top of this rock in the proper arrangement, and take the second bull and offer a burnt sacrifice with wood of the image which you shall cut down. So Gideon took ten men from among his servants and did as the Lord had said to him. But because he feared his father's household and the men of the city too much to do it by the day, he did it by night. Now he knows who's talking to him. Listen, he knows who's talking to him. This is not a debate here. Oh, you know, is this, is this just a dream that I had? Was this the tamales that I ate last night? Is this just like, oh, I'm just making this up? No, he's having a conversation with God, and God gives him instructions, and he's met with the Lord face to face. He's had a life-changing experience, and God tells him, hey, we're going to go to your father's house, tear down the false God's altar there, and then you're going to make an altar to me and you're going to worship me and you're going to have a relationship. Remember that when you're at the burnt offering and you're giving this burnt offering to God, this is a communion with the Lord. This is a fellowship that we have through Jesus Christ. But for him, he's just putting God first and the promises of God first. And, and God's given a commandment. But he, he doesn't do it. He doesn't do it outright. I mean, he's obedient to the Lord. He collects the materials. He gets the stuff. But then what does he do? He gets 10 guys. The Lord didn't tell him to take anybody with him. He just grabs 10 guys and says, okay, let's do it. We're going to sneak in 
at night when nobody's watching and we're going to do this thing. I find it fascinating that in our own walks with the Lord, we have an encounter with God. We have an encounter uh, with someone that shares with us the Word of God. It begins to be written on the tablet of our heart. We have these experiences, and we know they're sincere, and we know they're real. You'll tell the story yourself. You'll explain it to other people. Yes, I've experienced God in this way. He spoke to me this way, or He led me in this direction, or He saved me from this drug, this addiction, this issue. And then when it's time to make the next steps, it's like, okay, I'll do it, but, but, but what? Notice he is afraid of his father. He's afraid of his family and the family's reaction to these changes. And what else? He's afraid of the people of the city. He's afraid of peer pressure. He's afraid of what people are going to think. And more specifically and historically accurate, if you mess with these people's gods, they will kill you. He's afraid for his life. This isn't like, oh, they're going to slander me on Facebook or I might lose my job because I'm going to be a wacky Christian. He's scared for his life. But again, he, he spoke to the Lord. And this is so encouraging. How, how is this encouraging? Because you experience the same thing in your life. The Bible tells us that we're to be in the world but not of the world. The problem is we are in the world. You know, we are experiencing these things, things that we think we're strong and we think that we've had it, we've figured it out, we're life-changing, we're going to go out there and we're going to be the salt and the light of the earth. And then we realize we stumble, we fail, we compromise, we get worried. We become like Peter when he was walking on water. Remember, he took his eyes off the Lord and he started to see the waves and he realized, wait a minute, I'm walking on water. This is impossible. And he began to drown. And we do the same thing. We take our eyes off the Lord, we stop listening, we start doing, and then we start thinking of all the other things, all the other situations around us, all the other fears, and all the things that can go wrong, and then they begin to affect us. And so obviously, because Gideon has compromised here, the Lord's going to just forget about him and pick somebody else, right? He's just going to be like, yep, you failed, I'll find somebody better than you. No, that is not what happens. Verses 28 through 32. And when the men of the city arose early in the morning, there was the altar of Baal torn down, and the wooden image that was beside it was cut down. And the second bull was being offered on the altar, which, was being, which had been built. So they said to one another, Who has done this thing? And when they had inquired and asked, they said, Gideon, the son of Joash, has done this thing. Then the men of the city said to Joash, Bring out your son, that he may die, because he has torn down the altar of Baal, and because he has cast down, he has cut down the wooden image that was beside it. But Joash said to all who stood against him, Would you plead for Baal? Would you save him? Let the one who would plead for him be put to death by morning. If he is a god, let him plead for himself, because his altar has been torn down. Verse 32, therefore, on the day he called him Jerubbabal, saying, let Baal plead against him because he has torn down his altar. Well, Gideon, he's found out immediately. The thing that he was scared of immediately happens. It's a small town, apparently, and word travels fast. Apparently, the 10 friends that he took with him are not good at keeping secrets. Sooner or later, if you are a Christian, if you are a follower of God, it will come out. 
Uh, you can hide it, you can cover it, you can try and be sneaky with it, but he's got his fingerprints all over you. And we take our eyes off of him and we start looking to the world and we get worried about our family. We get worried about those around us. We get worried about the peer pressure and our bosses and the people that used to be our friends. And we get all concerned about all these things. I want to tell you something that is very liberating. And it's true of many things. The people that care don't matter and the people that matter don't care. You write it down. The people that care don't matter and the ones that matter don't care. The Christian and non-Christian alike, the ones that really care for you, the ones that really uh, are there for you, are going to pass the test of time, they're, they're not going to care about the difficulties and the struggles you're going for and that they're not going to be a judgment against you. They're going to encourage you. They're going to equip you. They're going to come alongside you. They're going to help you. If you're struggling with doubt, if you're struggling with sexuality, if you're struggling with finances, if you're struggling with depression, you're struggling with anxiety, you may have the same fear. My family will turn against me. The people around me will turn against me. No. Because do you notice something about his dad? That was the one he was worried about the most. And who's the one that defends him? Ah, well, Baal's real. Let him defend himself. But what was Gideon afraid of? Oh, well, my da- when my dad finds out I kill his idol, I destroy his idol, you know, the God that he worships, He's going to come after me. See, that fear did not come to pass. It's been well said that we suffer far more in imagination than in reality. We suffer far more in in imagination than in reality. All All this could have been just bypassed if Gideon just said, okay, God, this is your plan. I'm going to go for it. The issue is us. We're like Gideon. We compromise He's, a, he's called, he's chosen by God to lead this revival. He's had a personal experience with God, and he's just showing us here, yep, all of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And the Lord doesn't cast him off. The Lord doesn't say, Allah, he went in the middle of the night, let him get killed. It'll be fine. No. Remember, he's found out immediately. Right, I want to switch gears on you guys real quick, and that is this. Gideon's father throws down a test, doesn't he? He says, if Baal is real, he will defend himself. God, Jehovah, Yahweh, Jesus, he passes this test every time. You can tear down his churches. You can kill his people. You can destroy his monuments. You can burn his crosses. It does not matter. You can take these Bibles and throw them into wood chippers. But the Lord will defend himself with a shout, I might add. He will return. He is coming back. And all of us, we could be destroyed, we can be cast down, but we are immortal. We will live on forever and in eternity because of his grace. He passes this test. The false gods of this world, they do not pass this test. I'll give you a story. I was interacting with someone at work and we're talking about uh, different things and different spiritualities, and I got this information about some stuff that they believe and i'm reading this stuff you know it's very spiritual it is a very person-centered and i just kept thinking like this does not pass the test this is not pass the test how can you tell how can i hold the hand of a six-year-old child who's dying of cancer and you tell me that oh well you know it's just a spiritual journey 
of existence and all these things are working together for the good. No, that does not hold water. That does not pass the test. Oh, well, all these negative experiences, they all work together somehow for our good and for the cosmic energy of the planet. Well, no, that does not pass the test. Well, what does pass the test? That Jesus Christ, the Son of God, gave Himself for our sins because we live in a sin-cursed and broken world and bad things happen to good people and they will continue to happen until He returns. And there are things that are just plain evil and not every person is good. In fact, what does hold the test is that the Word of God says that all have sinned and fallen short and we have a broken nature and left to ourselves, we are indeed evil and not good. Oh, well, you can't say that. That's just mean. Well, I'm sorry, it's true. There are men out there that look at my eight-year-old daughter with lust. Am I supposed to tell them to follow their heart and their feelings and to trust their feelings? Well, we, we say that with horror. Of course not. Of course not. So we see how God's Word passes this test and the false gods of this world. It does not pass the test. And I thank the Lord that He has redeemed us through His Son, and He will soon redeem, redeem this planet. Because we have two altars here that are on trial, don't we? Here in chapter 6, we have the altar of Baal, and that statue is laying down on the ground, and nothing's going to happen. See, the people put power into it because they are willing to kill people because of this statue. When the Lord wants an altar built, and he says, offer a sacrifice. And that sacrifice is a type, is a shadow of Jesus giving his life because the life is in the blood. And so it's a very small thing in our mind's eye. And what is Gideon focused on? Well, I'm going to get in trouble if I do this. But that's the parallel for you and I as we're living our lives. We're focused and we're afraid of the wrong things. Gideon has an experience with God. He can speak with the Lord, he can be obedient to the Lord, and he can have that peace and understanding of knowing, I have no idea how this is going to turn out, but I'm just going to trust God. Instead, he's a like-minded individual, just like you and I. He wrestles with the same things, he has the same fears, the same doubts, the same trials, the same compromises, half-hearted steps, and the Lord doesn't give up on him. That's the encouragement to me. It's like, oh, man. I can mess up over and over and over again, but he will not leave me nor forsake me. You, you guys might, but he won't. He won't. Now, continuing, what's going to happen now? Where, where's Gideon going to go from here? Verses 33 through 35. Then all the Midianites and the Amalekites, that is a lot of people, mind you. All the Midianites and the Amalekites, the people of the east, gathered together... And they crossed over and encamped in the valley of Jezreel. Double checking my notes here. But the Spirit of the Lord came upon Gideon, verse 34, and he blew the trumpet. And the Abizarites gathered behind him. And he sent messengers throughout all Manasseh, who also gathered behind him. He also sent messengers to Asher. Zebulon and Naphtali, and they came up to meet them. Well, war is breaking out. And so Gideon is going to make an incredible transformation. I mean, a transformation like you've never seen. He's going to go from a guy who's going to be sneaking around at night, 
who's afraid of his own father. And then something happens here in this text where he is now blowing the trumpet of the Lord and gathering the armies of Israel together. He is willing to go out into battle and fight. Again, this is not a cartoon, not a Christian movie. He is sharpening his sword to go into hand-to-hand combat in the plains, man against man, nation against nation, tribe against tribe. So this is life and death situation. He went from, we're going to sneak around at night and knock over some statues, do a little bit of graffiti, and I'm worried and terrified about what's going to happen, to load them up, boys. We're going to town. Our lives are on the line. Let's see what happens. So what happened? Well, where's the formula here? And second, how do we get some of this? and apply it to ourselves. And I hope you caught it. It's in verse 34. But the Spirit of the Lord came upon Gideon. The Spirit of the Lord comes upon Gideon. He is empowered by the Holy Spirit. Once again, we are shown that we are men and women of like passions. We're weak. We're leaky vessels. We're broken. We're going to stumble. We're going to doubt. We're going to make bad choices. And the Lord doesn't give up on us. He doesn't quit on us. Not only does he not do those things, he is now freely giving his Holy Spirit to magnify himself. He uses the foolish things of this world to confound the wise. I, I don't know about you. I look in the mirror every day and I see the foolish one. And the Lord just uses that for his own glory. It is not, it's not me who's doing the good things. Anything good in me is coming from the Spirit of the Lord. Anything bad in me, any compromise, any stumbling, that's 100% me. My autograph's all over that. But the same thing is true for you here tonight. You can receive a fresh indwelling of the Holy Spirit. Simply ask Him. Ask and you shall receive. Seek and you shall find. Is not a bad father willing to give their kids good gifts? They would give bread and not a stone, the Lord said. How much more so your heavenly Father who will freely give you these things. He gave you His only begotten Son. He gave you forgiveness, redemption. You're reborn. You're remade. You were created in His image. You have a glorious plan and a purpose. And that redemption comes through Jesus Christ. And He will give you the Holy Spirit. So stop, as we talked about on Sunday morning, trying to do it in your own power. Because if you're stumbling over and over again, you're wrestling with these doubts over and over again, you're having this same fight over and over again, and you're starting to ask yourself, well, I must not be chosen by the Lord. He must not be real. This must be fake. This whole thing just isn't working for me. The only bad ingredient in that mix is you. You are the one not holding the bargain, not the Lord. The Lord is not slack concerning His promises. He is never late. He is there. We all want to go from hiding in the dark to rallying armies. And that is how we go from having a personal experience with the Lord to having people be impacted by the Lord through you and bringing other people along you. It is by the empowering and the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. He doesn't need you, but He wants you. He doesn't need you, but He wants you. Well, let's read verses 36 through 40, and then we're going to start doubling back. So Gideon said to God, If you will save Israel by my hand as you have said, look, I shall put a fleece of wool on the threshing floor. If there is dew on the fleece only, 
and it is dry on all the ground, then I shall know that you will save Israel by my hand, as you have said. And it was so. When he rose early the next morning and squeezed the fleece together, he wrung the dew out of the fleece and a bowlful of water. Then Gideon said to God, Do not be angry with me, but let me speak just once more. Let me test, I pray, just once more with the fleece. Let it now be dry only on the fleece, but all the ground let there be dew. On the ground, but on all the ground let there be dew. Excuse me. Verse 40. And God did so that night. It was dry on the fleece only, but there was dew on all the ground. I'm, I'm, I'm Gideon. I was just saying how great you were, ready to go to war. I was just saying how you were sharpening your battle axe and your sword. I was just saying how we went and dwelled with the Holy Spirit. And I, didn't I just say all these things about you, Gideon? And then now you're having a conversation with God. You're trying to back out. What, 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 are, you, what are you doing, man? I, I love how it says, so Gideon said to God. So he's making a deal. He's the one negotiating right now. Lord, Lord, listen, listen. I got a plan. I got a plan, God. It's a great plan. Listen to my plan. But his weak and imperfect faith is an encouragement to me and to you. That you can have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. You can talk to God face to face. You can have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. You can have radical transformation. And you're still going to have doubts because congratulations, you are still a human being. And if we watch too many Christian movies and then we get too indoctrinated by the religion of churchianity, you begin to think that good Christians don't ever have doubts. They don't have fears. They don't argue. They don't stumble. They don't fail. And I hope one day that I get to be like them. There is nothing further from Scripture than this. Paul the Apostle himself, as we often quote, says, that which I will not to do, that I do. He's struggling. That which I will to do, that I do not. The fight between the flesh and the spirit in front of us will only be done. It'll only go away when we're caught up to be with the Lord. Like it says in 2 Corinthians 5.8, to be absent from the body, to be present with the Lord, that's the only time we'll be delivered from that struggle. So our Christian walk, even a successful Christian walk, where we're growing and we're growing in our discipleship and we're growing in sanctification, is going to be one of bumbling and stumbling and tripping and falling. We fail forward as Christians because we fail at the feet of the Master. What I experience when I'm talking to a lot of non-believers or those that are against the church is they believe that we worship a God who's got His hand cocked back to punch us in the face anytime we mess up. That's what they think. And they think that we're oppressed and we're living under oppression and they don't understand the liberty that we have in Christ. The forgiveness and the grace and the encouragement that He will never leave us nor forsake us, that He will empower us, He will continue to bestow His gifts on us. And when we stumble and when we fall, yes, that is, that is we sow, that shall we also reap. God is not mocked. But He will continue to work in us and never forsake us. And we pass that forgiveness and those blessings onto others, and it's contagious. 
Now let's get back to Gideon and his stinking fleece. Like, Lord, he's talking to the Lord. Why, why does he even need a fleece? All right, well, let's take that accusation. Let's take that finger pointing and point it at ourselves. Out of all the experiences you have with the Lord and your personal walk with Christ, if you are a believer for an hour, you've had a personal experience with God. And then if you've been a believer with the Lord for any amount of time, you have experienced things, you have seen things, you have felt things, things have changed, things have moved, and yet still you doubt. And yet still you wrestle. And yet still you've got to double-check those scriptures over and over again. Well, congratulations. Welcome to the club. Same thing is true of Gideon. And so Gideon gets the answer to his prayer. It does it not... I mean, it's amazing to me, maybe not to you, how many times I ask for something from the Lord or I talk to him about something and he gives me the answer and I'm like, yeah, but are you sure? Are, are you sure? Like, I know you already answered me, but are you really sure? Like, can you teach me a little, maybe, maybe one more time? And I love how gracious he is. So the Lord answers the prayer a second time. Listen, the Lord answers these prayers. How would you answer them? Maybe you're not as obnoxious and arrogant as I am. I'd be like, son, I'm not telling you again. I've already talked to you twice. Like, I literally showed up at your doorstep. Like, what else do you need? But no, the Lord is so gracious. He doesn't argue with them. He doesn't make them change the rules. He just says, okay, sure, 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 sure. I guess we shouldn't really criticize Gideon because Christian, at least he's talking to the Lord. Are you? Are you even asking him? Or are you just sitting there in silence waiting for him to talk to you? Are you waiting for him to come tell you what the next step is? Like the Lord has to, he has to meet your criteria. So, is that the trumpet? I was hoping. <laughs> Not the sound I was expecting it to be. What do we got, a tornado warning or something? Yeah, sure. Oh, yeah. Well, at least we go together, guys. <laughs> if, you're on, if you're online, every single emergency alert has gone off at the same time. And now we get to hear it in Spanish, too. Cause... <laughs> does yours do that? Mine does it because mine will do it twice because I have both languages. Yeah. All right, now that the enemy's done. <laughs> what was I talking about, Gideon or something? One at a time, y'all, one at a time. <laughs> so we're, speaking of one at a time, it came back. Thank you, Lord. Talking about answer, Gideon's asking more than once. <laughs> That's a Spanish one? Gideon asking more than once, and we want to criticize him, but at least he's asking. At least he's involved in the conversation. And I want to encourage you tonight. This is the biggest encouragement I have for you. Number one is, you're broken, it's okay. The Lord, when you were enemies with God, He loved you. When you were an enemy with God, He gave His Son for you. What is the proof of God's love for us? That He gave His only begotten Son. That's it. What else do you need? Do not be afraid to wrestle these things out with the Lord. Who, who else are you going to get the information from? The world? Yourself? Are you going to go home, stare at your navel, and figure out the goodness that comes out from inside you? 
<laughs> if I did that, you would see an evil person. But no, we wrestle these things out with the Lord. We don't hide it from Him because He knows all things. We quote that scripture all the time that He's counted every hair on your head. He loves you and cares for you. And so He already knows about those frustrations and those anxieties and those issues. And what we like to do is we like to cover them and hide them in shame and say, okay, Lord, I'm going to fix this first or I'm going to figure this out. And then when I figure it out, I'll come to you and you can put your stamp of approval on it. Instead... We need to have these conversations with Him. We need to listen. We need to read. We need to receive instruction and reproof. We don't need to be laying out our coats and our sweaters out in the parking lot to see what's wet or not. I'm going to tell you right now, it's South Carolina. Everything's going to be wet. Everything. But if we're in a conversation with Him daily in the Word of God, He will speak to you because the Word of God is alive and living and sharper than any two-edged sword. It cuts through the thoughts and the intentions, reveals the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And that's how we have a conversation with the Lord. And you can receive from Him. Because that is what we are about here at Calvary Chapel. We are about a personal relationship, a real relationship with the Lord. And we have a real God and a real word for real problems for real people. And so we want to be engaged in that. Well, we're going to close out the rest of this hour in prayer. We're going to be praying that tornadoes don't come this way because they don't. We're going to be praying for those that are hurting. We have some that in the fellowship that have been through some surgeries recently. We have those that we know are struggling silently and we want to even come upon them uh, spiritually. And we have lots of things to pray for, especially those that are in authority. They need extra prayer. And then we want to pray that the Lord continues to speak to us and touches us. Lord, we lift up this evening to you in this time of prayer. And we pray that we'd be able to pray together and agree with one another. And we pray that we would receive a special outpouring of your Holy Spirit, a special refreshing of your Holy Spirit this evening to empower us. And we pray that you would teach us and direct us and use us, Lord, for your glory and for your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen.